welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day you happen to be listening. Here in the Ottawa Valley, some people say g'day, which is just, you know, like universal for any time of day. So, hi, welcome to the podcast. Katie, what is the news in Iowa these days? Not much. We're just getting ready for lambing to start and hopefully not any more calves for a little bit. She's looking out the window. (laughs) Not a lot else. Not a lot else. I'm looking out the window. I don't really see anything. Oh, minor update for those folks who remember last spring when the daycare hatched out chicks and then all the chicks came to live at our house and I was all excited to expand our flock. We got seven chicks back, I believe. Six of them are surviving and five of those six are roosters. So if anybody needs some very nice roosters, you know. Let me know. So the flock is bigger, but there are not many more eggs. It is bigger, but it's louder. It's louder for sure. They're they're very nice roosters. There's just a lot of them. That worked out well. Is the daycare doing chicks again this year? God, I hope not. They haven't asked me for eggs. (laughs) Hopefully not. Maybe they can ask someone else. Yeah. How are things at your place, Arlene? Oh, things are doing going pretty well. So someone asked on social media the other day about whether or not he would be getting any more photos with jerseys this year. It may have been our friend who is also a cattle show photographer. And he may have gone on a weekend boys trip to go and visit with our daughter and her friend at their uni- the university where they go to and tour and go look at another jersey heifer. But this year, it's not for our daughter. It is for her friend because it's her last year of 4-H, and she's also a Jersey aficionado, and her parents are willing to buy her a heifer. So it actually is the kind of sale that works out well because they don't farm, and we do. So they will acquire the heifer, and we will take care of it. So that is our part of the partnership. So we don't actually have to put in any money, but I mean, I guess we do because the feed and the accommodations and Most of the work, well, not most of the work, a lot of the work will be happening on our location. So that was uh, their little trip. So there might be another brown heifer in the uh, heifer hotel this spring if they are successful. They went to go look at her, but she won't actually be available for sale for another couple weeks until there's a, she's in a consignment auction. So we'll see if she comes to live with us. And what else is happening? Oh, another cow update. My least favorite animal in the barn, Saturn, who uh, Katie knows all about because I complain about her frequently. She almost left. She, it was so close. She was not in calf and we were needing to make some space and we were at the limit of our quota. We were starting to get into those overproduction days, which I think we talked about a few weeks ago with Andrew Campbell. So there were some animals that were slated for the livestock trailer. But then there was an announcement of an extra incentive day, which where we live means that there's a bit of undersupply in the province or in the the region. 
And so they give us one extra day of quota to fill. So it's relative to what each farm would produce in a month, get one more day. And so she got a reprieval. She got to stay for a couple more weeks. But I believe that the next time that the livestock trailer is getting filled up with animals to go to the sale barn, that Saturn will be on her way yet. But then Arlene, what will you do with that delightful portrait that I had made of her? Well, I mean, I can still remember her, can honor her memory, but I don't have to be aware of her trying to knock me into the gutter every morning. For those folks who don't, who have joined us more recently, se- several years ago now for Christmas or perhaps Arlene's birthday, I ordered from Crown and Paw a uh, delightful portrait of Arlene's favorite cow in, I want to say, an Elizabethan gown. Yes. Yeah. Like one of those big ruffle collar situations. Yeah. I don't know that Arlene appreciated it or saw the humor as much as the rest of us did. It's on my wall. I appreciate it. I could I could add it to my little recording space here. Katie's artwork, you can see from where she was, so from where we're recording if you're watching on Patreon. But in my my recording space, it's all of my kids' handprints from over the years. So our art situation is slightly different, but I can move Saturn in here. Well, I mean, I have art that Arlene actually made with her own two hands, where what she has is me trolling her through the power of the internet. So it's pretty on brand, really. It's still art. We enjoy it. All right. Should we go ahead and introduce our guest for this week? Yep. Sounds good. Today, we are talking to Rita Herford, who's joining us from Michigan. So Rita, we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is your intro to our listeners. So it can include crops and livestock and kids and all kinds of other stuff. So we always ask, what are you growing? Yeah, I am growing crops and kids. That's what's going on over here in Michigan with me. Um, As far as on the agricultural side, we grow sugar beets, corn, uh, wheat, dry edible beans, which includes blacks, navies, and small reds, um, and some rye. We have a small sweet corn stand and a small strawberry patch, about two acres of you-pick strawberries, as well as we had a pumpkin ma- uh, pumpkin patch and corn maze that we're just, we're ungrowing that this year because it's just too much to do. Um, my stepdad, who I farm with, loves to do all the side hustles. So always something going on. And then on my kids' side of things, we have three daughters, ages eight, five, and two and a half. So I'm kind of transitioning into more of mom era of life where I'm now running with them and doing all the things and where I got conned into coaching softball last year and I am started a huge benefit for my kids. They go to parochial school. So we started an auction that's about six months planning every year. It's the second year coming up in two weeks. So I'm really spending lots of time there moving from farm bureau board to school board, all that fun stuff. So yeah, that's, that's what we're growing and 4-H animals. We're getting into that. So Rita, do you know anything about softball or is your school like ours that like, if you have a pulse, you're totally qualified to coach whatever. This is 8U softball. So it's the little league and no, I, I played, I mean, I played softball and played high school team, university softball, but to try to teach kids, oh my goodness. It, it was like, they went from T-ball to this. 
And one girl hit the ball. She did great. She gets the first. And I go, okay, now you're going to second. And she went, where's that? So, but I wasn't supposed to coach. I was like default, like no one else was showing up. And my kid wanted to play. So here I am. And, and of course, then that's during spring planting. So I had to talk with my farm family. I'm like, listen, I'm going to leave every day at three o'clock. Cause that's like, that's going to be an issue. And nobody yelled at me too much. I don't, I don't know either. I was even going to leave at three or five. Like either way, I got three kids. I got to go home. Daycare won't keep them till 10 o'clock at night. I don't know why. So. I was just going to say, it's interesting how our volunteer efforts shift as uh, the kids' interests shift, right? Because the things that maybe were passions of ours get, uh, you end up having to resign from those boards or associations and then take on the uh, additional responsibilities that, like you said, no one else is showing up and my kid really wants to do this thing. So I guess now I'm doing this thing. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was on the Farm Bureau Board for 10 years and I was the promotion education chair. So I was very involved in that and I, I loved it. I was very passionate about it, but it's just now I'm doing all this kid stuff too and something's got to give. There's only so many hours in a day and that's where we're at in life. So I've just learned to roll with it. And it's fun. It's fun being with the kids and watching their lights grow and change. And so it's all good. Yeah. And then you really get to know their friends too, right? Because... Once they go to school, all of a sudden, you don't really know who they're hanging out with every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, so my farm is on the other side of the county from my husband's farm where he lives. So we moved over there after we had our first daughter. So not that we're like totally foreign, but I didn't grow up there. So I come home and I'm like, oh, I met this mom. She's so fun. Da, da, da. And he's like, oh, yeah, I graduated with her sister. Yeah, I know. I know their family. I was like, oh, because then, you know, everybody gets married and their last names change and I don't put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. It's same situation here. I'll I'll go to the school and, you know, be volunteering with somebody. And then my husband's like, well, what's their last name? Did they go to that school? I'm like, I don't know. Just I just met this person. I didn't I didn't grow up here. I don't need her. I know. Don't know her whole lineage. Yeah. Yeah. It's Carter's mom. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> so can we also ask what your husband is growing? Yeah, so he is growing basically the same thing. They do sugar beets, corn, uh, wheat, dry beans, but they also tack on about 5,000 head of cattle. So they have a beef farm and then they put up a bunch of seed. Them and four farms together have formed a entity to put up feed for a huge dairy farm. So they do a lot of haylage and silage for the dairies. So he's... We do kind of the same stuff, but they're very more busy than me, which is, but you know, like livestock in the winter, it was negative 15 degrees out last week. I'm like, have fun feeding cattle. We're going to just be in the house here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The strawberries are already tucked in. I don't need to worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Yeah. We covered those right after Christmas. Yeah. So how, I know you said across the county, but like how, how far apart are where you work versus where you're living? It's about 45 minute drive. If I drop the kids off, it takes me an hour in mm-hmm. the morning one way. So it's a hike. Um, I'm trying to do more and more things like digitally and at home. Like I would love to have like just the office at my house, but then that's hard too. Cause me and my mom work together in the office and 
papers are there and you got questions. And so, but yeah, in the wintertime, I try to, like, I stay home a day a week just because it's not worth the drive, you know. Yeah, there's the, the cropping side is a little harder to do remotely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rita, as I can say too, as someone who does work from home, the the draw of the office and the work computer to small children is probably the only thing that wins out over like, like as much as they can sense any Sharpie or Play-Doh or broken glass in your home, your office would be the only thing that is a bigger draw to their needs. Oh, I, I understand that because they'll come with me. So then where they're in the farm office and they're like, Oh, papers. I'm like, no, don't write on that. <laughs> Not that one. Here, take some scrap paper over here. I'm like, no, I don't I don't want to highlight yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I want the one with everyone's social insurance number on it. Yeah, yeah. I've sent a fair number of bills and forms and things back with my kids' drawings on them because I'm just like, you know what? This is what it is, and hopefully the recipient will appreciate it. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to loop back to one of the crop things because sugar beets... I have watched some videos about them, but they aren't grown in the area where I live. And so I'm curious about them. So they are to process into like white sugar, like what we would like put in our coffee or like that. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Our little area of the thumb in Michigan is the only area east of the Mississippi that grows sugar beets. Um, Otherwise in the U.S. And we have Canada where Canada grows with us on the other side of Port Huron in Ontario. Otherwise, it's all out west in the Dakotas and the Red River Valley and Washington State and up there. But anyhow, yeah, so it's same thing as sugar cane, sugar beets. You can actually 51% of white sugar produced in the U.S. is from a sugar beet. So, but yeah, white sugar, that can be made into brown sugar just by adding molasses back into it. Uh, powdered sugar. Yeah, Michigan Sugar Company is who we grow for. We're, it's a cool. Are they an a- annual crop? Like just a seed and then you harvest in the fall or? Yeah, we, yes, we grow them annually for the sugar. The plant itself is a biannual. Okay. So for seed production, it's a two-year thing. And that's, that's what makes a sugar beet a sugar beet is it's storing the sugar to produce seed the following year. So that's when we want to harvest it is like late. It's, it's our longest growing crop. We want to plant it as soon as we can. And we want to harvest it as late as we can without it freezing. But it, it's different from like corn or beans where that plant matures. You know, you're waiting for that corn to dry down and to mature. Sugar beets, you're just waiting. You kind of want a cold snap. That weather tells the beet, hey, we want to start producing sugar. Winter's coming. And then your sugar percentage will will spike up from then. That, that wait but not too long situation. Typically, we start right in the end of October. It's like for us about a three-week harvest. And yeah, you try to get done. I mean, some years it's Thanksgiving you're getting done, but most years about mid-November. And then, yeah, try to get it done. Some some years the weather's beautiful. Actually, the last few falls, we've had to quit processing, quit digging because we can't store the beets if it's warm. So the sugar beets are stored on huge piles and then the factories will process them throughout the winter all the way till you know, the end of March. And that's the goal too, is if they sit out there too long and the weather's warm, they'll rot. You know, it's, it's a, it's a plant. 
think of potatoes, you know, storing potatoes in your cupboard or whatever. You, you want them in a cold, dry place. So they work good when they're frozen through the winter. The factories keep producing sugar. But if it's too warm and you're trying to pile them, you'll get rotten spots in the pile. And I'm talking huge piles, like 15 feet tall, hundreds of feet long, you know. And so how do the edible beans fit into that? Are they like, I'm sure that they probably all have different harvest times too. Does that kind of work out that you've got a bit more of staggering? Yeah, yeah. So the edible beans, we, um, those are our shortest crop in the ground. We plant those typically around the 1st of June, right in, you know, beginning of June. And then we'll be harvesting them in September. So yeah, kind of, kind of our year looks like, I guess, as soon as the fields are not muddy slash the weather's not going to freeze, you know, you don't want a sugar beet to germinate and freeze off. So we'll say April, we're planting beets, then corn rolls into that. And then beans will roll after that in June. Then we're harvesting wheat in July. And we do a lot of cover cropping and spreading manure and stuff like that. Wheat stubble. Then in September, we're harvesting dried beans and planting wheat a lot of into those fields is our, our typical rotation as we'll plant wheat into our dry bean fields. And then what am I missing? Corn and sugar beets will be like October, November. One thing after another. Right. And then you just throw in throw in some you pick strawberries. We have to also deal with the public. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're planting planting dry beans. Let's go run a strawberry pit. It it kind of works good. I can't knock it too hard because it's it's fun. Like it's the public's out there and stuff like that. So on my farm, we didn't get to this. I farm with my parents and my two brothers and myself. So we got two generations here, and then our kids are around. Our oldest there's 17 grandkids on my side of the family, and the Oldest one doesn't live close to us, but she is 14. And then they're like nine and down. Nine to two. One. Anyway, they're, they're all in there. Like it's, we have a calendar of birthdays because I don't even, like you remember the first three and then you're like, I think they're five. No, that's the other one. Uh, I feel like they might've been born in the fall. Yeah, that was during planting. That one was born during planting. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, that one's the same grade as my kids. So they must be this age. Yeah, there was four born in 21, four of them. So anyway, with strawberries, the kids can come out, you know, my older two will come out and pick and it's fun. And then it kind of gives like my parents something to do because, you know, my generation, me and my brothers are the ones more running the planters and kind of doing the day to day. So it gives that an extra thing. It's, you know, but it's a. When uh, my stepdad was like, we're doing this, he, he didn't even really ask. He was like, there's 30,000 strawberry plants being delivered next month. And we're like, oh, okay, this is happening. Great. Yeah, great. Thanks. So, but he's like, no, no, it's all, it's going to be all you pick. Yeah, yeah. I bet you about 50% of it's you pick. And not that I mind picking berries, that's fine. But like you said, it's that time of year. And then it's, it's not even that, it's laying all the plastic irrigating spraying fungicide you know then no one shows up then you're picking and then it rained and then in the fall we're we cover them through the winter and weeding and planting you know they're all hand planted and it's just those days i'm looking at them going it's all you pick right huh what are we doing out here? yeah th this was your idea yeah who is you who is you mm -hmm. i feel like maybe you need to clarify between you pick and we pick 
you know, they pick and we pick. Yeah. I follow a local strawberry place here and I had, you know, as someone who grows corn, beans, cattle, you know, where there's some window of readiness, strawberries from watching your Facebook, it's like, they're not ready now, but in 45 minutes, they will all be perfect. And half an hour after that, they will be rotting. There's like right now. And it's insane. And explain that to the public. You know, like we have people, well, I want to pick today. Well, maybe they'll be ready if it's warm tomorrow, but it's, you know, 60 degrees today, like they're not ripening. Well, what do you, well, will you have some next Monday? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, maybe. And then there was one few women from the, like the city that came up and they were just going to pick strawberries and leave them in their car for the weekends. And, you know, and we're like, you can't do this. <laughs> these are not, these are not your grocery store strawberries. <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, these actually taste like something, but B, you also have 15 minutes to process them before all hell starts breaking loose. So for those of us who are not sugar beet growers, which is most of us, I think. What do sugar beets look like? Because, I mean, when I picture a beet as my Iowa self, I picture like a Detroit red beet, you know, stains everything, lots of leaves. What I know about sugar beets is they're bigger. Yeah. So I, this is a question that comes out a lot. So they think beet, yeah, same shape. It grows in the ground, right? So the root is what we're harvesting. And they could be about five pounds, maybe the size of a football, we'll say. And that, that depends too. If you harvest them earlier, they're little or skinnier. They put on a lot of weight to them end of the year. And then the top, you know, a leafy green top. So when you look at a field, you're just going to see green tops and people, you know, will think it's like lettuce or something like that. So that, that we, we cut off and leave in the field and then harvest the bottom, but it's white. It's, I mean, they're dirty. They get washed, but if you broke them open, it's white sugar, just like you would see in your pantry. So what are the steps when it comes to actually turning that beet into sugar? Is it just drying or are there other aspects of? It's simple and complicated. Like, I mean, there's, there's science to it, right? But long story short, we're, we're as farmers harvesting them. They put them in piles. They take them into the factory and they're, they're just extracting the sugar, right? So it's not like we're making sugar, we're extracting sugar. But it's literally like they're kind of sliced up and they look like French fries. And um, then they go and they get, I'm going to mess this up. Somebody's going to watch this who knows more about than me and go, what is she talking about? But they're going to slice them. And then there's like a centrifuge and boiling water and da 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 da. And it'll pull out the sugar. And then you're left with what we call as beet pulp. So that's going to just look like, I don't know, little potato peels or something. It's, it's the everything but the sugar. And that we actually, a lot of people will use for cattle feed. Feed that to cattle. Um, so yeah, and then it comes out as crystallized sugar. And then it needs to be dried um, to store. And we'll store it in big silos and stuff. Um, and then to make that powdered sugar, if you went the next step further, they would... Um, that's all about the size of the crystals. So basically, mush it to powder. And 
to make it brown sugar, they add molasses back into it, which molasses is also a byproduct. So white sugar, you're sucking all the molasses out. Brown sugar, you're going to add molasses back in. Um, and then uh, Michigan sugar, they'll do like liquid sugar and things like that for more. Like, I mean, you aren't going to go buy liquid sugar, but um, restaurants or bakeries or, you know, candy shops and stuff will use that in recipes. Right. It's very cool. I have used it uh, cooking saltwater taffy. There you go. Yeah. See? Horrifying stuff. You get, you know, like a five gallon pail of sugar and it's just that. Um, real sticky. Yeah. Real, real sticky. Is there any real difference between cane sugar and beet sugar? Because I grew up in a very much like all cane sugar, beet sugar is for horrible monsters who hate everything that is real and good in the world. No, it's absolutely the same thing. Once sugar is refined, it is a molecule. It is sugar. It is. It is sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Well, good. Then I'll stop paying extra for the cane sugar because that shit's expensive. Yeah. And I always tell people like in Michigan, I'm like, buy, buy beet sugar. That's local. That's like what you're supporting us, you know. But yeah, sugar is sugar. There's no difference. And so sugar beets are actually a GMO too. Um, they've been uh, processed or the seeds have been made to be Roundup resistant, which is huge strides for our industry and as far as weed control. Uh, but you can't, once it's sugar, there's no plant material in it. And there's no way to identify that, that there's no genes in it. It's sugar, you know. And so you can get sugar from cane, sugar beets. You can get sugar from a green bean if you wanted to take the time to extract it. It's just, you know, every, every living thing, if it makes photosynthesis, it's producing sugar, right? So um, just sugar beets and sugar cane have the, those plants have high percentages, you know? So sugar beet would typically, we would like to see like 18% sugar. Um, anything better than that is phenomenal. Anything, you know, 15, 16 is kind of low. But so we'll say 18% of that plant is sugar, which maybe like, we'll say green bean would be less than a percent. Like, you know, whatever, really low. It would take a lot more green beans to uh, make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you someone who always thought they were going to farm? Like when you were growing up, were you the, I'm going to be a farmer kid? Or did you have other plans and you ended up at agriculture? Um, looking back on it, like, so I have an older brother two sisters and then we come from we have a mixed family so then I have stepbrothers and sisters but out of the four of us me and my brother who I farm with I mean a stepbrother we were always the ones like mom would be like time to do dishes and I'm like we're gonna go uh feed cattle you know my brother had a few head of cattle I'm like out the door like see you later or you know I was the one in the sandbox with the tractors with him or just loved being out in the field I, I remember like racing with my dad so he'd take me to my grandpa's farm you know and like so like looking back at I, my younger years i'm talking about five six seven years old like that was me and then like high school i was kind of more of an athlete it didn't and my mom really strived to like get us off the farm like go do something you know um she never paid us to work on the farm you were expected to help if you were there but it was like go get a job so i you know, babysat. I milked cows on the neighbor's farms. I worked in a taxidermy through high school. I worked landscaping in high school, um, different jobs like that. And I never, I don't know, then it was kind of like, I'm going to go into sports therapy, physical therapy, 
something like that. And graduating high school, it kind of dawned on me that I wanted to be involved in agriculture. So I decided I was going to go get a degree in agronomy. But still then I thought, I'm going to do something that pays a little better. You know, I'm going to be a consultant or, you know, sell inputs or something like that. And then it was probably my second, third year in college at Michigan State where it kind of dawned on me that not everyone has an opportunity to come back home and farm. I had a lot of classmates that, I mean, wanted that. They had that dream that they wanted to go farm with mom and dad or whatever. And, but there wasn't a business there. Like they, they were going to have to go get a second job, you know, like that was the thing. And so my parents, their farm, I was the first kid to come back home full time. And I did right after I graduated from Michigan State with my crop and soil science degree. But um, yeah, like there was, I don't know. I don't know what was the aha moment, but I just remember sitting there and kind of being like, you know what, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to. I, I think that was like in my back of my mind as if, if I go get a job somewhere else, it's going to be too cushy and awesome. And I'm going to have all this shit paid for it. I'm not going to like, well, I'm going to give up all those medical benefits. And <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give up insurance and a company pick up and all this stuff and to make half as much money. And blah, 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 blah. so I just said, I'm doing it, you know, and so that and my so my brother, he has a same degree as me. He did go work in the industry for five years, but that was kind of his plan, too, as he was. He wanted to get out there and work and come back home. And and I think that was very beneficial too. Um, he learned a lot of things. He met a lot of people and how they do it on their operation and this and that. So we all had our own paths. And and I'm glad I did. Like I don't regret that one second because now like I feel like I I feel like I peaked. Like I had my years. Like when I came home, I was planting all the corn. I was running the sprayer. I was running equipment, driving truck. I was working, you know, before I had kids, working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. in the field, you know, just till the job was done and stuff like that. And then now I'm like, 5.30, see you later. Sorry that broke. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Clocking out. That's good and bad. It took a lot of time to, to get over it because I had this guilt. If I was with my kids, I felt like I should be working. Everybody else was working. And if I was working, I was like, oh, my God, my kids are this and that and sick and babies and oh my god I'm a shitty mom like what are we doing I'm glad I'm past that phase in life too yeah it's <laughs> interesting how we can put guilt on ourselves no matter what we're doing right <laughs> yeah and can't win yeah the mom says you should work more and then the worker says you should be with your kids and then there yeah there's mm -hmm. there's no way the funny part is is like no one cared like I don't think anyone that I've harmed with gave a shit that I was like not there like that I had to leave they understood it they got it and and my mom was very involved in our farm um you know she would always be like go home and be their kid like go get like go get them literally in it like and I was like ah you know and but I want to be here and then you know I don't know learning to balance yeah for sure so in a lot of cases people if both people in a couple are farming usually they're farming together I mean obviously not all the time but but like you said, you and your husband are both working on your own family farms with your families of origin. Um, like you said, when your kids were babies and even now, how do you make the logistics of that work in terms of childcare? And I mean, presumably your harvest is at the same time on both farms. Planting is happening at the same time. How do you how do you prioritize 
each farm and make that work within within a couple? It's not easy. I'll just say that. It all falls on me. My husband's going to go, what? <laughs> hate me for this. He probably won't even listen, so it's fine. But I, it's a lot on me. And that always pissed me off because, like, getting married and coming into this, I'm like, we have the same job. You know, like, like this is going to be so equal. Like, and I'm going to sidebar here. I love my husband, but I'm going to complain about him for a hot second. But like, so having our first. Yeah, we understand each other. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Having our first baby, I'm like, well, I quit Tuesday. You should have to quit Wednesday at five o'clock. She needs to be picked up. And like, his my, oh my God. He's like, well, I can't, you know, like heaven forbid him miss five seconds of, of anything. When I had my third child i was in labor and i'm like you need to come home he's like well i gotta wait till somebody comes to release me from the planner let me make a few more rounds they're not here yet i'm like shut the freaking tractor off like just die would you like would you like to see this child be born or not yeah and i mean i wasn't in like hard labor but they were like yeah come on in we'll induce you let's go and i'm like let's get to the hospital like i'm ready and he's like well and it, it took him like three hours like he was just like oh i just can't can't quit plant until my brother gets here and i'm like geez like come on (laughs) rita do you still end up expected to make all the field meals as well no we don't do that no Mm -mm. because that's the part that kills me is when i see women who are farming just as hard and just as much as every man on that place and they're also dealing with the kids and then they're like but it's time to make the field meals and i'm like well who the fuck's bringing you dinner yeah no mm -mm. my mom um so when, when we're like out in the field planting, everybody packs their own lunch meat sandwiches and stuff. And we are very blessed. Our neighbor lady who we harvest together with, she brings food like every day. But that that's just that's just sugar beet. So anyway, um it's it's sandwiches and whatever. Um, but my mom during the winter and and like if we're all around the shed, she'll cook and she'll make roasts and potatoes or whatever. So they, my parents started going to Florida about five years ago and my brothers would come in in the winter and are like, well, what's for lunch? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, like you're on your own, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, why am I the one? Like, are you making lunch? And I'm like, not. Yeah. What did you pack? (laughs) Not that I wouldn't, but if I'm going to be here and spend my time here, it's not going to be to cook you lunch. I'm going to get my work done, get my shit done so I can go home. Like this is what, so that was kind of, it took a few years of them like, so now we just all bring leftovers or whatever and it's fine. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not mom. Sorry. And I, and I don't like cooking. Like I, I hate, 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 hate planning meals. And I don't mind like the actual cooking, but I feel like there's never time. You get home at 530 and everybody's hungry and it's like, uh, you know, everything's frozen. I suck at planning meals. I will say, Rita, my background is all in restaurant work. And so my husband, and I, I understand how he got this idea, says, well, but you love to cook. You should be really excited to cook every day. And I'm like, but in a restaurant, somebody brings you all the groceries. In a nice place, somebody preps all the food. And then all you have to do is the fun part. And then people pay. And if you're lucky, they call ahead because they're so excited to eat your food. Unlike, and they don't bitch that it's not what I wanted for dinner. 
It's not fucking chicken nuggets. Yeah, and you don't have to wash the dishes after either because you've also got a dishwasher in the kitchen. Nobody thinks I'm going to deliver it to a tractor. Nobody's going to come in two hours after dinner time expecting me to have hot food. Nobody's going to want chicken nuggets. They're going to wait patiently at the table for you to just for someone to bring it. Yeah, we don't. I do not live that issue because we it's just expected. And actually, during the busy seasons, my husband will make my sandwiches. He packs my lunch. So I, I'll give him credit there. Like he and everyone's always this is what gets me. though. Everybody's like, oh, he's so sweet. He packed you a sandwich. Oh, my God. And I'm like, if I would do that to him, it's not like he gave you a kidney. Yeah, if I would, if I were packing his lunch, who was going to go, oh my God, Rita loves you so much. She made your ham sandwich today. Good for you. You guys just, that's cute. Nobody gives a shit. Like, no one, like, but I, he gets all the credit, all the, you know, it's the same when he had to take my second, second daughter born. I got super sick. We got home from the hospital and I got like the flu. Like, I'm talking all the things. I couldn't get out of bed. My milk was coming in. It was the worst fucking day of my life. So he had to take her to her, like, three-day-old well-child visit, right? And the nurses, everyone was, like, dad of the year. He was just, like, I think they took his picture and put it on the wall in the hospital. Like, I don't know. And I'm, like, he put a baby in a car seat. You took her in. You weighed her. Because I'm at home throwing up. Great. And most of the time, it's women It's women who have just birthed a human out of their bodies. Bringing an infant to the doctor. Like, this, like we should be giving medals to, to people. And you're just expecting, yeah. Oh, it's no big deal. You, you just pushed a baby out of you or got, had one cut out of you. Like, come on into the doctor's appointment. Like, Yeah. I don't lift anything, but she's 30 pounds and worth her car seat. And we're not even going to ask you how you're doing because this is not a, your appointment. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't lift but. anything and you're not allowed to drive, but also. Yeah. Head into the doctor. So you've talked a little bit about um, daycare. And sometimes I know that I'm in the, some of the farm women groups and there's this perception that we should all just strap our babies to our chests and, and carry on farming with them attached to us. So can you talk a little bit about when they started going to daycare and how that has worked for your family in a positive way? Yeah. So we, um, when my first was born, we were blessed to, we had a in-home daycare right down the road. A lady started watching kids who, Tammy's like grandma now to us. We don't go there anymore because we moved. This was on, on my side of the county when we first got married. Um, Luke moved in with me. So then after four years, we moved to his side of the county. But anyway, so... Rita, real quick, are you going to move back in four years? Like, what's your... Maybe. You're just going to keep <laughs> going back and forth? I think when we moved, in my mind, um, like, I I was... I think I thought there was some chance that I would farm with him someday. And that's never going to happen now. I've lived long enough that this is not happening. And and I don't think I really want it to anymore. But, I, but then also, back to... I'm the one doing all the childcare shit. So we were home at 5, 30, 6 o'clock most nights. And then he's working till 11, getting up at four, driving an hour to get to work. And in a real serious sense, I was like nervous. He was going to, you know, go in the ditch falling asleep one day. So I'm like, we have to move closer. And then that turned to where now like, oh, he's down the road in the tractor. Kids get out, go ride with dad for a few hours. I'm going to go make dinner and I'll come pick you up, which that's awesome. 
But anyway, back to your question. Yeah. So we had in-home childcare. She was awesome. She'd keep them late if I was running late. It wasn't anything like she, she's like a second grandma. We still like go visit her all the time. And, um, so anyway, now at our new house, we are in structured childcare, um, a center and they're good, but oh my God, I just hate, I can't wait to get out of daycare. Our youngest is two and a half. My older two are in school and it's just, they want to know like what days they're going to be there, which I can understand. I get it. I get it from a business perspective, but I'm, I'm kind of, when I don't need childcare, I don't want to one, pay for it. And two, I feel guilty if they're there and I'm like, well, they could be home with me, but then if I'm paying for it, you're going to daycare me. I'm like, don't care. So for a while, they let me like in the winter, I'd take her out for two days a week. And then in spring and fall, we went back to five days a week. Well, now they don't like that. They want you to be full time. And it's just a hassle. So right now, uh, my youngest is in four days a week. She's home one day a week with me because I want that time. I want, I mean, I think that's what I love most about growing up on a farm is like you got off the bus, mom was home in the winter and, and my kids are so freaking neglected in the fall. Like it's, it's hard on all of us. It's, it's terrible. So in the winter, I just feel like we need that time of just being together and just chilling and um, all of that. But yeah, so, but daycare, yeah, I am not. Once in a while, I'll take the kids with me on a Saturday or something. They can come ride in a tractor. We can do it. But, oh, my God, I can't do that every day. Like, no way is that going to be, you know, me running around with three kids. One, it's not safe. Like, we're, this isn't, I don't know. It's big equipment. It's, and then, like, when kids are around, productivity is, like, maybe a quarter. You know, you're stopping a tractor because they got to pee. Well, then they don't. Then they don't nap. And then you think they're going to nap and they fall asleep right before you're done or you're holding the baby sideways and you're trying to like work headlands or something and back up and she's like Ugh. this fall i had emma with me my littlest and i'm like we're just gonna work fields it'll be great she wouldn't lay on the floor i'm like we have this huge tractor just lay there no 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 so she wanted to lay on me so i'm holding this toddler and she's trying and i'm trying to back into a corner and i'm like oh my god so yeah yay for daycare well and the Two, if your family's like mine, you know, my husband's like, I took so many naps in the back window of the tractor with the, you know, just laying on top of the toolbox with a blanket. And they're like, yeah, but I see how you turned out. Like, I don't know if I want to do that to my kids. Like, yeah, they'll end up all goofy like you are. <laughs> it's also easy to have selective memory about those things, right? Like, uh... right. Yeah. You remember. Yeah. How how'd your mom feel about that? Mm -hmm. How'd she feel? The couple of good days, maybe you remember, but the stress that your parents were feeling at the time, maybe that wasn't on you, but uh, it was it was probably real. He was five and riding with grandpa. So when grandpa got sick of him or he had to pee every 20 minutes, he just dropped him back off at home with mom. He wasn't like having to figure it out. Yeah, for 12 hours. And I do like in the summer, my older two, um, two, two summers ago in this past summer, I would take one kid a week with me. So like my middle one hates daycare. Like she's, she's my farm girl and um, she just doesn't like daycare. She'd rather be out. So I'm like, okay, so one day a week, I took one of them. The other one went to daycare. And then one day a week, I had nobody most productive day of the week. Um, so then they, they could come and yeah, like go pick strawberries or ride in the tractor. And then the, the farm is at my mom's. So if it's real bad, like, but they're, they're like efficient enough where you can go in the house by yourself. Right go run and get a snack or go, you know, get out of here for a while. 
where I'm not worried about a two-year-old napping and having to go potty and blah, 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 you know they're... yeah you don't have to keep your eyes on them every second so that they're not going to get it get into something and get in trouble yeah so i like that they can you know experience it's not like they're never here but also we rotate yeah that's right so i know the statistics aren't that actually all that good for intergenerational transfer but it sounds like both you and your husband are on multi-generational farms where where people are working together um, what do you think are some of the things that are going well and uh, make it possible for, for those generations to work together? Because sometimes it feels like we, we hear a lot about where things aren't working out, but, but what's, what's going well on, on both of those farms that make it so people can be family and be coworkers? That's a great question. Um, I can't take credit for any of that. I'd say the biggest thing is I think my parents um, lined that up and seen that and you know, like they've they've gone to lawyers and accountants and stuff and have figured out like where we're at and and have started transitioning to, you know, keep the business going. And I think they don't want to be here the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? They want to see it continue. But it, it's having those conversations and they're hard to have. And there's stuff where like, you know, they kind of know what they want, but they don't want to talk about it, you know, because and I, we have, you know, I have siblings who are on the farm, so nobody wants to talk about it. But if you if you listen to any professionals, you need to talk about it. Like it needs to be discussed, um, or or it's gonna be that where it, no one knows what's happening and this and that. So, um, it's not easy. You no, know, but you know, but it, you got to look at that. What's the farm gonna look like in ten, twenty years, and and how are we gonna get there, and and start with step one and. And even me and my husband, like we went once we had all our kids and stuff, we went and had like a will made out and things like that. And you're trying to figure out what's going to happen if you die the next day. Right. You know, and and the lawyer said to me, he goes, it's not this isn't in stone. Like you're going to sign this as how you want it now. In five years, we read, go through it and see what changed. You know, your kids are going to be a little older and this and that. But I think it's the same with the farm, like set it up how it needs to be now. If, if something were to happen to that generation or what, or, but then revisit it, you know, maybe someone leaves, maybe someone new comes, you know, you just, I don't, I'm no expert on that, but yeah, it is working. And I think I'm just going to thank our lucky stars for that because of, you know, it, it worked out good. I think too, as, you know, as a middle-aged parent of young children with the farm, the realization that you basically have to have a guardian picked out for the farm business and the farm operation as well as for your children if something happens you know if, if all the adults in our family are killed in a skydiving accident or whatever you know who's gonna we have cattle like they have to be fed today there's no time for like oh, well, get an executor and read the will, and six months from now we'll decide how to split things up. Like, you know, we have two little kids who have to be fed, and we have livestock that have to be fed. And knowing who can step in and not only just get the shit done, but also who is equipped to, A, take on that big of a role with presume possibly very little notice, and also to to teach our kids how to take it over, 
you know, I mean, they're, they're five and seven. They don't know how to run a farm, you know? They, right. I will say going back to the generations of things, both my, my father passed away at a young age and my husband's mom passed away and she, uh, she was probably 50 younger. So I think both of our farms have seen we've experienced death. We know we're all not going to live together, you know, things like that. So maybe that is what gave everybody kind of a wake up. Like this is what we need to do and, and see things through. Yeah. What about in the, the day-to-day stuff? I mean, like sometimes working with your mom or in, you know, mother-in-law, father-in-law, those types of, I'm just talking about my, my own situation. Those you know, like the relationship you have at Thanksgiving is is also the same as the person that you're working with every day and, you know, you with siblings. So how do you, do you try and separate the business from family life or are they so intertwined that it's... We probably should try harder than we do because I, because Thanksgiving you're sitting and talking about, oh, that field ran this many times. That was really good. that, And then our non-farm siblings are like, what are you t-? like? Just stop, you know, like, so that then my mom plays like referee, like, okay, that's enough of that. Yeah. No more farm talk. Let's talk <laughs> Christmas plans, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like we have to like, ah, but yeah, I think it, um, on the day to day when somebody's really pissing you off and this and that, you got to step back and say, okay, but we have to go to Christmas together. We have to go to Thanksgiving together. Like, you know, you got to get along. Um, and it's, you have your moments. I mean. There's days where I'm like, why am I here? I'm quitting them over it. You know, there's days where I want to strangle my mom. And then there's days where it's like, I'm so lucky to be able to work with her every day. You know, like not everybody gets to do that. We had a really good relationship, um, but it all comes in waves. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Probably depends on the season too, right? I was looking at your social media and I thought you had a really cute idea um, for like you were talking about um, harvest and how hard it is for kids to you know like they know it's a busy season but to really understand what it is that we're talking about um can you kind of describe your harvest tracker idea for uh for kids absolutely so i don't know where i got this idea somebody had the idea to do like like a thermometer or or a percentage right where you color in so you're 100 like on a poster board i'm talking you know for a kids to have a visual kids need a visual so I took that and I'm like, well, I'm not going to come home and go, well, that was 20 more acres or another quarter of a percent. You know, like my kids don't understand that. But but sugar beets take a bit longer to harvest than corn. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sugar beet season was definitely the hardest for my family. Um, one, it's it's the same. You know, um, me and my husband are both gone. Um, and and ours, the way we do it is we have scheduled deliveries so i got scheduled for mornings he's actually scheduled for mornings too but he heart i i'm on the trucking side of it he's on the harvest side of it so either way um so my typical day harvesting sugar beef is i'm going to be up and out of the house and probably to the field by 2 a.m and then i'm gonna work till 3 4 o'clock p.m and come home and try to go to sleep so i actually got um a few years ago, I ended up hiring a, a nanny, a babysitter to come into home and pick the kids up from daycare, do dinner, wash bottles. This is when my my um, baby was a baby. 
so she was born in June, so she was six months old. So I need, I'm like, I need somebody to wash paddles to do all of the shit that I, I need to go to sleep. Like, I'm not staying up till 10 o'clock at night and getting up at midnight, one o'clock. Like, I can't do that. I can't. So, yeah, best thing ever. Um, and I'm going to, for farm moms who are trying to find daycare, look at your high school programs for early childhood development. Call those teachers. They will give you the names of the kids who want to babysit. So hot mom tip there. It, it's, we've found like three or four girls do that program. So they, they want to go into early childhood development. So anyway, my days are like that. And so you're trying to explain to your kids like how much longer and they don't understand. You can't say like next Friday it's going to be done because it's all weather dependent and how efficient you are and what breaks down and how muddy it is. Blah, blah, blah. Plus for little ones, they don't know when next Friday is. No, same. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we made a poster and we put mom's fields and dad's fields on either side. And so then we put the acres next to them, which I don't think my kids quite understand that even. But just if it's a big number, it's going to take longer. OK, right. Yeah. And the num- and it's going to get smaller as the time goes on. Yeah. So then at the end of the day or the next morning when they're awake, we come home and say, okay, I got this still done. So they got to, like, uh, my one daughter got to cross off moms, the other daughter got to cross off dads. And when we're all done, whoever gets done first um, gets to pick which restaurant we're going to go to. We're going to do something fun, you know, like try to try to give them something to look forward to, something they can visually see. And then, like, we made it kind of, I don't know, maybe we're a little too competitive, but who's going to get done first? Like, let's see who can win. You might as well have a competition. I was running, wondering if your kids are, like, calling the bookies in Vegas, putting putting down odds on this kind of... They might, my kids may end up with gambling problems. They might. Yeah. My bet, my bets are on mom this year. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it was one, one was team mom, one was team dad, and it was a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. So... But yeah, it's funny when you talk about like having the acres. So my husband, they started in littler fields. So like day two, they had like five fields done because they were 20 acres, five acres, you know. And then I started on a 200 acre field and my five-year-old was like, you're losing. Like you are going to lose. Dad has five fields done. Like, what are you doing? You didn't even get one done and spent three days on it. I'm like, but mine's bigger. Like, it all, but yeah, it's just cute. It's fun. It gives them something, something to keep their mind on and, and help ease that stress. And you're never home and, you know, try to understand. Yeah. And not really being able to, to yeah, a concept of, of when it will ever be over. So Rita, especially with two farms, with multiple generations and 500 grandkids, which I think is the number you said. Um, I'm an only child. My husband has one sister. There's four kids between both sides of the family, right? Like this whole 17 grandchildren, it's a lot, a lot of kids. Yeah. That's just on my side. There's 15 on the other. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, how do you deal with communicating what needs to be done? I mean, even on our small farm, you know, my husband and I both work full time. He works literally off the farm. I work for a company that is off farm, but I work from home. So we, you know, we're not working together much. So we run into things like he'll change how much feed he's giving the steers. 
So I have to text him to find out who's getting how much feed. And it, it's just always this thing. And then, you know, I circle back around to like, if an airplane falls on him, you know, will I know? I know what's in our feed, but I don't know how much of what is in our feed. And I, you know, how do we communicate all of that? And then you're talking about communicating it to more than one other person. So I know like I put a poll on our social media the other day and the options were kind of like, do it all yourself, yell a lot, or we actually have a good idea and this is what it is and we'll tell you about it. Well, I'll break those down to three answers. So, excuse me. On Luke's side, if an airplane fell on him and what they're feeding their cattle, that's not my problem, man. I got nothing to do with their farm. Like, good luck to you guys. But I do know in their feed trucks, they have the ration and like pounds of feed fed each day to each pen, if that helps anybody. Because they'll they'll switch who's feeding. But in my farm, we do a lot of text messaging. We have group text messages. and, And yeah, that's where I feel like I struggle because... I'm not here. I leave early. And then like literally the other day, um, you guys ever do the online auctions where everybody sells their equipment online and they end at like nine o'clock at night. So between seven and nine, everybody's freaking out because auctions, it's bidding and da, da, da. We had one of those ended last night. And my, my husband's like, oh, you guys are selling your green drills. And I'm like, what? No, we're, no, we're not. You know, he's like, uh, that's, he showed me his phone. Uh, that's your phone number. That's that's yours, right? I'm like, news to me. I don't know. Here, people say we're selling our grills. I don't. I'm like always the last to know. And the, and then the group message between my farm family, my brothers and my parents, was like, oh, this is not about this is that this this is that this this is gonna sell. Oh, we're bidding again on this. So that and my phone was blowing up last night about what we we're buying and not buying. And I don't know. It is what it is. But yeah, there's. The communication thing, I'm always out of the loop. I'll walk into the shed. Oh, we got this. Oh, okay. Okay. Great. Whatever you're saying. And then on the, in the home front, in my household, if an airplane fell on me and I died, uh, God help them. I mean, Luke could die. We'd survive. If I died, we would be in trouble. My poor children. I, I mean, my eight-year-old might be able to run it. She She can make mac and cheese and she would know know what time the kids have to go to bed i don't know they'd have to figure it out i don't know i hope i go to heaven and can come back as a ghost and and watch it happen watch it unfold what's the one you just have to have a girl's day or leave on vacation or leave for a few days and that's the thing with sugar beets too so i leave right away in the morning and then luke has mornings he has to take the girls to school and daycare and every day it's like 7 30 6 30 i'm getting phone calls well, what pair of shoes do I put on her? Well, anyone that fit. Like, I don't know. Like, shoes. I don't, what does that matter? You know, uh, what about this? And there's like stupid, stupid questions. And it was a lot better when we were into like bottles and diapers and that. We're, we're out of that. So it's not so bad. But, um, yeah, the, the phone calls of like the, what about the, can, can she, she doesn't want to wear jeans today. What do I do? As long as they're wearing clothes. Your problem, man. No fun fighting I've done it for the last eight months. <laughs> I will admit I do things that feel wasteful, but they cut down on that brain space of like, my kids are close in age, so they're about the same size. So rather than replacing when, you know, 
three pairs of socks wear out, when I start to see that they all look grimy, everybody, not, not everybody, both kids get new socks, new undies, everything else gets donated to daycare or tossed respectively, because ain't nobody got time for, well, this kid's down to two pairs of socks, but that kid still has six pairs of socks. They're in the same size shoes. They get shoes at the same time. They're in the same size undies. They get undies at the same time. I'm just, because, yeah, I mean, if a plane falls on me, I have to believe that my husband will figure it out. He is a strong, competent, capable adult. But it's going to be ugly for at least a year because, like, mommy schedules the dentist. There's only one pediatric dentist in, like, five counties, so I trust that he'll figure out who it is. But mommy does that. Mommy buys the backpacks. Mommy buys the shoes. Mommy buys the chicken nuggets. You know, like, my chance of figuring out how much grain the calves are getting is a lot better than his chance of figuring out which kid has the classmate who's allergic to strawberries and can't have strawberry treats for Valentine's Day. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll always be like, well, how, when, why is this happening? I'm like, the letter comes home from school every day that says this, this, and this, you know. And another day I said to him, I said, would it be better if we had a big calendar, you know, of, dry erase board on the wall and we wrote down what was happening what days were snack day or whatever no i probably wouldn't even look at it i'm like well then don't whine to me that you don't know what's going on like or you know remind me to do this i'm like put it in your phone that's what i have to do. well i don't know i'm not the one day i was like here's the note app on your phone yeah i i am not the notes app <laughs> okay i'm gonna show you how to type in those like why do i have to be your mental like secretary like don't tell them there are shared notes. I've taken to just yelling. If it's not written down, it does not exist. We have a, one of those desk calendars hanging at the bottom of the stairs where you literally have to walk past it to go to bed or to come down from bed. And it's, you know, two foot by three foot or whatever. Still, nobody knows what's going on. But I feel like I've done my part that like. You can only do so much. Yeah. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make him read the damn calendar. What gets me is, yeah, like, he can remember, or he knows, you know, like, oh, so-and-so's farming that ground, and they got a new tractor, and that's not their planner, and they, no, they switched that. Like, not even our stuff, like, the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't know that? You didn't know that that was their truck? Da, da, da. And then, like, when, you know, how many diapers are left in the closet? We got to buy diapers this week. Like, I know that shit. Like, I don't have the capacity in my brain to know if the neighbor 10 miles down the road upgraded their planner or what whatever like don't <laughs> don't i don't ask me yeah i do think that different people have different types of brains and different types of memories for sure because like i milk cows mo like most days of the week and i don't know their lineage from you know like from birth back to like three or four <laughs> generations like my husband and my, my daughter they both like they are like cow obsessed and and know the genetics and who's related to who and all that kind of stuff and it just does not compute in my head but my husband has two cousins and he can't remember their kids names so like we all we all have different brains and 
we can all only retain so much. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know if I see a vehicle drive down the road, I don't know who it belongs to, but yeah, one of my kids does. <laughs> so we all, we all know different things in our heads. So one thing that we often ask people is about that transition from zero kids to one, because that, you know, some people say, oh, from one to two is the hardest or from two to three or whatever. But for I know for me that zero to one was the biggest life shift. How was your transition from um, full time farmer to farmer and a mom? It was hard. I think I did okay. For, I think the second one is when it all came tumbling down, like like emotionally in life. After the second one was born, like I ended up in therapy. Like it was bad, like emotional breakdown. And that's when I that's when I think I realized like this is life forever now. Like you are you're moved on, man. Kiss that goodbye. I think I was just so naive on how it was going to go. Like, I was just like, yeah, you're having a baby. Whoop-de-doo. Like, life's not changing. Like, I don't, I really don't think when I had our first daughter that I thought, like, life was changing. Like, I just, you know, still going to do the things. And then even, like, she was born in December, which was great. That worked out perfect. So then that spring, it kind of, like, Oh yeah, I gotta work late tonight. We're doing this. I gotta do this tonight. And then it was about like the third day where she like didn't get a bath at night because we got home late. And she was already sleeping. I'm like, you can't like, you can't live like this. Like you, you're her mother. You need to prioritize. Like you're you're raising babies now, you know. But yeah, I think two years later we had our second one, and then she was born in May. She was born the first day of planting beets. They were really late that year. And that summer was the hardest that, you know, and everyone like, oh, you had a baby in the summer, go enjoy it. Like, that's the best time ever. I would rather have one in the winter when I can just be cooped up in the house, stay home. I'm not missing anything. The summer, I felt like I was missing everything. And like, let's face it, nobody's taking a newborn like out to the beach or out, you know what I mean? It's hot outside. You're still staying in the house because it's, you know, and every four minutes they need something else. And you have a toddler now. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the big one running around. And my pregnancies were really hard on me. Like, I was, like, throwing up for, like, eight and a half months. Like, it was terrible. Um, and multiple medications for nausea and all that stuff. And so I think in my head was always, like, if I just get past pregnancy, you know. Well, then you get to where you have this living little thing that you have to take care of. And, uh, yeah. So... I don't know, I, but I feel like, so now we have three, we're out of diapers, we're like past that, and I'm just learning to embrace like motherhood of it, you know, like, I gotta leave at five o'clock, great, see you later, like I'm going, like, farm mode off, going home to do whatever, and maybe today I'm leaving at three o'clock, or maybe tomorrow I'm going on a field trip, because I can, and you know what, I'm probably gonna be gone anyway early, so, just... I don't know. It's it took a long time to get me there. So if any like new moms are listening to this, it's but yeah, I, I was totally in denial on how that was going to be. What if you're willing to talk about it? What was kind of your point where you realized I need therapy and I need I need more help than than what I can do by myself? Yeah, absolutely. I can talk about this. Um, I was super irritable, super cranky and depressed and. You know, just nothing. I don't want to say I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning, but like 
it wasn't like, oh, this is going on today. I'm not, you know, get, it was just like forcing myself to go through the day to day. And like, I wasn't, ha- I don't know. And then like my mom and my husband are like my people, right? Like when something happens, there's who I want to talk to and they're who I want to, you know, share ideas with or, or bitch to about stuff, you know, and they were the ones annoying me the most, you know, like, and not like on purpose, but just like in my mind, I was like resentful. And I, that's probably the best word to describe it. I was resentful of my husband because he, his life didn't change. We had two kids now and his life didn't change. At seven o'clock, he was still at the farm to work. You know, he did his job and, and all he gave a shit about was like, what field of hay we're cutting today, you know, and here I am sitting home with a new baby and like out of the loop with everything. And so, yeah, it was, I don't know what made it click that like, this is what I need. But one day, and it was hard to admit, it was hard to do. It was hard to find a therapist. That was like way, I thought I was going to call this number. And then they were like, well, do you have insurance? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, we can't help you because it was like a state funded thing and they only take people without insurance. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm calling you crying and you're like, so I literally, I asked, I'm like, who do what you call? And the receptionist gave me her therapist's phone number. Like, that's how messed up it was. But like, it was the best thing I did. And I mean, I went, so I went and seen this therapist three or four times and she like laid life out on the table. And I think I, you just needed that like neutral party who doesn't know anybody who you can just say all the things to. And like, hey, and she told me, you know, she was like, you know, yeah, you feel like you're missing out. Well, you go do the things, take the kids to the park. Why are you sitting home? You know, you feel like you're missing out on anything. Like live, they're little ones. Go on vacation with them. Take them up north by yourself. You got to learn to do things, you know, and and I think that's how I was living is always like, well, Luke's working. Like, we can't go have fun. Like, he's busy. We should be busy. Like, I should be cleaning the house or something, you know, being productive. And like trying to realize that, like, spending quality time with your kids is productive. That is good. That is needed. And I think more families need that in their lives today. But it, it took me a while to get there. Yeah, especially in, you know, when you're in farm mode and you feel like, well, it's a nice day. (laughs) As a farmer, you feel like if it's a nice day, better be working, right? Um, But where other people in other parts of the world (laughs) or other industries are like, oh, it's a nice day. I could go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what? What a novel idea. (laughs) Stuff goes so fast. Like, I swear, like when COVID hit, I had two kids exposed to COVID and I missed wheat harvest. It was over. And that's like my favorite. We harvest is my favorite and it takes like five days. And like I was there for a half a day, school called, one threw up, whatever. I don't remember. And then like I came back to work and it was like done. I was like, what the hell? You know, so I always sat at home. Thanks. Great. But yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And props to any mom who's out there doing it. So on the positive side, what do you enjoy most about raising kids on the farm? You've kind of touched on it already, but what's your what's your favorite thing? Yeah, I I think like the being self-employed and um, being able to, yeah, like go volunteer at school, go in and, you know, go to a field trip and not even like worry about like, well, I don't have days off or this or that. Um, to, to take them out of school and go do something fun or um, just having that that flexibility is definitely 
the best. And like now that they're getting older, bring them with me in the summer. That's a lot of fun. We'll go soil sampling or do whatever. And and yeah, I don't know. I think that's what I like most about being on a farm. And that's why I think I'm honestly farming. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's such a family thing. And as, as big and complex as our lives are, I think I enjoy the chaos. It, you know, it's something you kind of love and hate. But um, yeah, just being able to do all that. And, and uh, I don't think I could work a nine to five. I don't think I would. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm already like today, like, yeah, three o'clock. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. I got to go shopping, like, for groceries, but then I'm also going to go browse Hobby Lobby. So might as well. While you're out. Right. We do have to make a 100th day of school t shirt. (laughs) That'll be fun. I love an assigned craft that gives us more uh, work as parents. Yeah, the teachers, you'll have so much fun doing this with your kid. I'm like, I can see a lot of crying, but okay. We'll try to enjoy it. <laughs> sure. It's not going to look like the one on Pinterest. I'm not crafty. <laughs> you might find some really cool craft supplies for your kids oh. that they will definitely need. What is your biggest parenting struggle these days? These days, not really farm related, but like, okay, we got three year olds. They're all different. Oh my gosh. Like, my first one, easy going. Like, I don't even know if I should say. She's just a people person, right? And she's okay with it. And she is independent. And and she's getting older now. She's kind of out of that. She's not really a little girl anymore. She can go do her things. My middle one, I think, is going to put me over the edge. She is her... Ah, I don't even know. She's... I'm not going to say I have favorites, but, like, in the farm world of things, she's, like, she's my favorite. She's in there. She loves it. And... Like her top favorite things are combines, choppers, trucks, and tractors, you know, and like, um, but like, she does not like chaos. She does not talk to people. She struggles at daycare because it's loud and everybody's running and, and she hates it. And she saves all of her emotions for me. And she comes home and then like she explodes because she didn't get the blue cup. And, you know. And, and like it, I was reading like parenting self-help books this fall because I'm like, I don't like, I'm going to strangle you because you're on the floor kicking and screaming because of this cup. And for the longest time, you know, like it took me a while to realize it's not the cup, you know, it's, it's what happened at school today. And then it's like, well, yesterday morning, someone said something or did something and she like was holding on to that. So like. Wow, it's just hard. Like, that's the hardest. I'm like, Lexi was never like, like, why, what, what are you, you know? And, but that's just her. That's her personality. Um, but she's also probably my hardest worker and she'll do anything you ask. And like, but she's just the emotion she saves for her mama, I swear. And I'm really learned, you know, like the other day, she got really mad at Luke because he cut her French toast up or something. And finally, I had to stop and tell, I'm like, it wasn't about you cutting up the French toast. It was about you not listening to her that she said no. Like, it was never about that. So, yeah, I read, um, here's a flip of help for anybody. There's a book, Five Love Languages for Children. So her teacher recommended that for me. 
I read that this fall while out in the field. Um, very helpful. Very helpful because it kind of talks about like, and I've always heard of the five love languages. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have. have. Um, so, but as in an aspect of like your marriage, you know, so it kind of broke it down to like our kids have these needs too. And they all receive love and understand love differently. So that helped me. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, she needs quality time. And and she needs words of affirmation. Like she, when she shows me her picture she drew, like she needs me to stop and tell her how amazing it is and not bullshit her. Like, yeah, it's good. You know, and she said to me the other day, you know how you tell Emma, like, yeah, okay. But you don't really mean it. <laughs> like, like, so yeah, the book was very helpful and we're working through it, but there's still like days where it's like, you can never get to the root of it. And often it feels like those biggest emotions hit you at the time of day when you can least deal with it too, right? Like, yeah. When it's six o'clock and everybody's hungry and everybody needs a bath. And then, yeah, that's right. Or, or right at bedtime when you think, oh, I'm about to get, you know, time to unwind. And then they, they hit you with something that happened three days ago. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had some not so good mom parents because I'm like, wow, you know, because I'm the, I, I'm a bad person because I just lash out back. I'm like, <laughs> the patience of me is not good. Too, you know, there's all this like, well, it, it happens because you're their safe space and like, granted, but who is my safe space? And just because I know something logically doesn't mean that I'm prepared to deal with it when I'm trying to cook supper and one of my kids is on the floor because I asked them to hang their coat up and then the dog walked into them and now everything is the worst ever, you know, and it's just like, rationally, I understand that it's not actually about me asking them to hang their coat up, but for fuck's sake, kid. You know, I just worked a full day. I'm trying to cook your goddamn chicken nuggets. The dog is playing in the middle of the kitchen because you're throwing a ball for her. And now, you know, she's walked into you. So now everything is death, you know, and it's just like, I'm glad that they trust me with their big feelings, but maybe they could go trust somebody else for a while. Like, this sounds like a very specific scenario, Katie. Not at all. Not at all, Arlene. <laughs> Might have happened just yesterday. <laughs> Basically every night. Yeah. We, um, the night before Halloween this fall, um, we were going to go trick-or-treating on the 30th because we were shut down for sugar beets. It was too warm. So we're like, we're going to get our costumes on. So I come home early. I'm trying to shower. I was trying to write an article about a news article I'm doing. And I'm like, get a snack. Get your stuff on. I'm yelling. I locked my door. And my two-year-old is screaming on the outside of my door, you know, and I'm like, what? Deal with it. Figure it out. I got shit to do. I got a shower. We're leaving in 15 minutes. We're going to go have fun. Damn it. My husband comes home and he's like, Emma's eyes are all red. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, she's crying. That's what we do this time of year. We just take our turns and someone is always freaking crying. Like, we're always just, that's how it is. You got four girls in the house. Get over it. Yeah, I deal with I it. might be next. <laughs> it's going to get worse. Wait till we're teen they're teenagers. Yeah, so anyway, her eyes were red because she had a cashew, and we learned she has a severe allergic tree nut allergy. At Halloween. So then I spent the next night in Children's Hospital overnight and was up for like 29 hours straight. So her eyes were red, 
due to having an allergic reaction. So he's never going to let me live that one down. But I didn't know. I, they were having, they were supposed to have a snack and they got out the trail mix. And we did. We knew she kind of had an allergy, but not. Didn't know, you know, it was the first. No, you really know. Yeah, she, she, we went trick or treating and she wouldn't talk to nobody. And then all of a sudden she puked. She uh, got home. And then we thought we had the flu. And I'm like, great, here we are in the middle of Harp, you know, like, no daycare for you for two days. And well, then she started like coughing, wheezing, like couldn't breathe. Her skin broke out and like threw her ass in the car and drove to the hospital. And that was, not a good that was scary yeah that would be very they, scary two doses of epipen steroids breathing treatments and this is the little the littlest right this of the baby yeah the two-year-old so then once we got to the hospital i felt okay but like we're in rural michigan like you know they she needed to be um overseen for 24 hours or whatever so they had to ship us to the city so then we got an ambulance ride at 10 o'clock at night and then it was two in the morning before she got a room. And then it was it was a whole thing. But yeah. Anyway, side story for you. That's right. No more no more nuts in the house. Yeah, yeah. So all the all the tree nuts have gotten shipped to grandma's and dispersed and put up high. No but yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we ask all of our guests, are we at this point already or you yeah, we are. Okay. Uh, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure that you win. Oh, this is a hard one. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I will say um, they do a parent cattle show, like the night before the real show. And I uh, beat Luke in that. So that was my real pride this last year. Should showed my calf and got better in showmanship than him not that i ever won anything in the real fair nice <laughs> i didn't win i just beat luke that's all that meant yeah Be beating your spouse counts we yeah we heard earlier that you're competitive so we'll take that oh um, yeah but other than i don't know i don't know i wouldn't say i'm like really good at it well, yeah sh showmanship works i could talk a long time i think i could talk for days yeah we'll we'll give you a ribbon on that one too okay thanks thanks so we'll go ahead and move into our cussing and discussing segment. So as listeners know, you can send us your own cussing and discussing on our speak pipe or by email. Check the show notes for the links to both of those. Katie, what are you cussing and or discussing this week? I wasn't sure what I had, but I got one. I really like to be cold when I fall asleep. I like our bedroom to be cold. And then I like to have a mountain of blankets. I find it very cozy and soothing. It is January. As we're recording this, it's been real cold. I like my, you know, my flannel sheets, weighted blanket, comforter, the whole shebang, right? But then in the middle of the night, I don't usually wake up because I'm too hot, but I will have the craziest goddamn nightmares from being too hot. And then I wake up and I'm drenched in sweat and there's blankets everywhere. And, you know, I just hate it so much. And I just really need someone to invent some way that the blankets will just like disappear in the middle of the night so that I'm not too hot. It seems weird to ask my husband to uncover me because it's taken 12 years to teach him not to cover me up. At 2.30, can you wake up and just remove one? Yeah, yeah. Just one, one blanket at a time. Just take that comforter, 
take it back to your side of the bed and just sharing beds with other humans. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> just beds, even. I don't know. I've heard of I've heard of some people who like will share a bed, but each have their own set of blankets. And I I think that that could work. Well, I haven't done it yet, but I think mm -hmm. that there there's definitely potential there. That's actually what we generally do because I like a weighted blanket and Jim does not. But I really like the the coziness of that comforter on top. But it's way too warm. Maybe I need to ask him to just take it off when yeah. he comes to bed. Yeah, it's weird that what you want when you fall asleep is not the same thing as you want just a few hours later. But I get it. Bodies are stupid. Bodies want what they want. Bodies are stupid, Arlene. I feel like that's what you're about to say. Bodies are stupid. Pretty much, yeah. Rita, what do you have to cuss and discuss today? How much time do we have? Do we get multiple topics? Go for it. <laughs> Whatever you want. This is a fa fair game. And we respect that. I don't know who's going to listen to this. We won't talk about people. But yeah, I was thinking, you know what's really been pissing me off lately is like the social media posts of the celebrities at like, this is so-and-so at age 20, and this is them at age 57, and they look identical, and they're like, they don't age, da-da-da-da. Just stop it. Like, stop. That's that's Botox and plastic surgery, and stop making people feel bad about themselves for being wrinkly and getting old, and I don't know. I'm, I'm midlife now, and I just, like, you know, and we're always mom-shaming. Like, our bodies should look like they did when we were 18 and didn't have children and, like, the pudgy belly stuff we're going on vacation in a few weeks and i think this is what truly really got me like i have in my mind what i think i look like in a bathing suit and then i try them on and it's not the same and it's like damn it yeah like you know dads get all the credit like it's no big deal if they got you know but then moms are supposed to look like they did before they had kids and our bodies did all the work okay yes exactly we did all the stuff and nursed and birthed and carried babies and yeah why does dad bod get to be hot <laughs> and yeah and mom bod is not yeah and the wrinkles and gray hairs are from you kids you know like the stress i hold in my face is why i don't look like i did 20 years ago <laughs> but then we got hollywood telling us we should you know like stop it but they spend an awful lot of money on that i showed my kids pictures of them as newborns the other day and they didn't recognize me because i looked so much younger like so see you guys did this because that's what I looked like when you were born. And this is what I look like now. So, But look at how much they changed. They also don't look the same as when they were born. So <laughs> we shouldn't have to look the same either. Don't remind me, Arlene. But yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would be weird if they still look the same. <laughs> like true. little newborn heads. On <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the soft spots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Arlene. But yeah, I think I just raising <laughs> girls, I think, with social media and stuff and like how someone's supposed to look, that just really pisses me off because I'm like, it was bad enough when we were kids. And it, I mean, we had like the magazine that came in the mail and two TV channels. So you didn't really, and now like everyone's got their phones with all the things and, and all of it's fucking photoshopped and all of that stuff. And I'm just, I'm nervous for when my kids become like conscious of their bodies. And yeah, so let's just stop. Let's make that a thing. Yeah, let's yeah, let's stop that. I do hope that at least now there is there are some voices out there 
of body positivity. I don't, fe- I don't feel like when we were teenagers, there was as much conversation around that. I mean, it's the images still kind of are more powerful, but there, there are more conversations around diet culture and, and, and feeding our bodies rather, you know, like valuing different kinds of bodies. I mean, not everywhere, but, but yeah, but I, I hope that some of those messages are, are stronger. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I hope they, my kids take it in, you know, even like not like, like YouTube shit they'll watch, which I hate. I hate kid YouTube stuff. Maybe that's my other thing I want to bitch about. Like they, but they're like, think it's real. You know what I mean? Like, well, their mom's just buffing these toys and I'm, you know, and they're videotaping them, like unwrap it and this and stuff. I'm like, this is fake. Like, this is not real life. I don't know anybody's mom who's like that. And, and so me and my husband started talking like YouTubers the one night. Because they were watching this. YouTube, and they were like, <laughs> you know, the parents, it was so cheesy. Just, oh, someone took the Christmas present. Where do you think they are? And then, like, the screen flips to the kid. And the kid, you know, so we started, like, walking around the house just really like, oh, my goodness. Is this how mom shot? And they, like, look. I'm like, right, it's stupid. It's stupid, and you think it's great to watch on TV. Yeah. Would you like to watch me unbox the groceries? <laughs> and here we have puff cereal. Ooh, what's inside the bag? Oh, it is cereal. That's, yeah. I'll, I'll end there. Arlene, what do you have to cuss and discuss today? So I'm going to, my discussion today is actually a positive one. Uh, like we said, we're recording in January, and so that, for those of us in the North, like the three of us, means snow days. And today I got... Right the text that everyone wishes for. This one was from my mother-in-law asking if I wanted to send my kids over to her house, which is just across the road, so it's not unsafe for them to get there. Um, Wanted me to send the kids over to her house and she would feed them lunch. And I just am really grateful for her today because that meant that I got to do this interview and not have to do like listen to people either fighting outside the door or go out and remind them to get off the internet so that this would actually upload and all those things. So there are definitely sometimes struggles with working and living with family but um today is one of those days where i really appreciate her and the uh, the ability to live in community with my in-laws so this one's to my mother-in-law thanks oh i'm happy we had school today but the last two days we did not and it wasn't looking good for this morning it rained all night and it was supposed to like freeze so i thought for sure there was going to be no school again today but they had school. And so I'm, yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. When they go. Yeah. It was supposed to be the first day of exams for my uh, 10th grader. So he was working on on his, he got a cheat sheet for this exam. So he was working on his cheat sheet and I was making sure that it was done, but we were also pretty sure that he wasn't really going to need it. So he gets one <laughs> more day to study for science. So Katie and I want to thank you so much, Rita, for joining us today. If people want to see more pictures of your farm and your sugar beets and uh, maybe connect with you online, where should they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, On Instagram, I am grocery store farmer. And then I think if you click on my profile, it says Rita Herford. And on Facebook, our farm page is Getner Bisher Farms. And I run that. So yeah, come find me. Sounds cool. We'll put those in the show notes too. Yeah, it was great meeting you. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was so fun. Thank you for joining us on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy this show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making this show.
Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We are always in search of guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. 